11 o'clock comics episode 167 i think thank you david uh, i forgot what number it was 167 did not miss a week. Yeah. Yeah. But this is not over. We may. I think, I think we're entering the danger zone pretty soon. Yeah. We're going to miss a week. Yeah. No, I don't think I'll ever be back. That's it. 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 That's well, we're off to a rock and start tonight. We are. We're breaking ACBC here. Just a hot street. I don't speak street very well. No. And Will, you know how much Jason talks every week, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> or you have to do that at least that. Okay, yeah. I'll hold up my end of the bargain. Because we know we can't count on David. I don't have to talk exactly. as much as Ken right? No. <laughs> uh, see, see, but at the appropriate time, you have to ridicule me. Oh, okay. I'll send you a little message, and it'll say, ridicule now, like the applause meter in the, in the audience. There we go. I can ridicule. I'm sure you can. And you have. I know. Continue to. Started today on the Twitter. Oh, you were egging it on. I did. I sent, I sent Chris a message. I said, let's fake fight. <laughs> and he sent me a message back okay so we started our fake fight and then two messages into it he said i'm going home from work I was well, like, what I the hell we well, started with the queen and country shit and i was like oh so we're going there huh well i wanted a nut shot right off the bat uh-huh i yeah. fight dirty i was like oh so yeah. we're not fake fighting See, we're bitches. no i like queen and country i do but no, i know it's, it's oh, your it's yeah, your achilles heel yes i do i don't like it enough I, I admire... It's too, uh, it's too dry for you. It is very dry for me. But it's I admire the construction of it. I just don't appreciate the, the themes. and the. It's, 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 not, it's not in your taste profile. It's not, but it's really well done. Okay, there you go. We can, you know, can agree on that. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Aw, kumbaya. This episode of... Uh, no, it's 11 o'clock comics, and I... Yes, and Vince B. Yes, and every time I get in a conversation with you on Twitter, I end up being followed by the sodomy bot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> awesome. Every time, and I'm Christopher Neesman. There's nothing wrong with the sodomy bot. He tells me that he likes sodomy every time. It cuddles. It's rather fitting. I mean, you know. Yes. And I'm, I'm David Price. Yes, you are. And I am Jason Wood. Oh, no. No, you're not Jason Wood. You, wait a minute, we talked about this guy's work last week. And Thank God. And this <laughs> week, we're going to talk to him about comics. He has written, oh gosh, lots of stuff. Amazon's Attack, Aquaman, he had a lengthy run on Catwoman. What else? Blood of the Demon with John Byrne, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and and Hero. Hero. And, and last week, we talked about his uh, book with Jill Thompson called Finals. Yes, it's Will Pfeiffer, everybody. Hey, I will. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here. And I know how much your audience likes guest appearances on the show. So. They do. <laughs> they, they eat it up. It'll be Amazon attacks all over again. <laughs> <laughs> 
was going to say, look for those return copies of finals <laughs> next week. Oh. And this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you, Mr. Comic Book Aficionado and Mrs. Comic Book Aficionado, can get your books far below retail. 35 to 75% off selected titles. They ship them really quick and really secure right to your door. You can even answer the door naked because nobody will be there. The UPS man will just drop them at your door. They are the best. DCBService.com. And if you are a first-time customer, you can Enter EOC8. That's the code. David, you want to repeat it? EOC8. Thank you. You enter that code into the, the wonderfully groomed slot, and you can get an extra 8% off your already Wumba discounts. You got to go with DCB service. They're, they're just great. I got, my, I got my box today, and I'm very excited. I got some really, really cool stuff. I can't wait to talk about it. I, uh, I anticipate getting my box late because of because uh, of the holiday next week. So God, you're right. I'll probably get mine <laughs> Tuesday now. Now, should we explain to people that that Jason's on assignment setting traps for morons that want to protest out in San Diego? <laughs> he, he, he he could be, but uh, yes, Jason is. Um, uh, he's not AWOL because we know where he is, but as far as you're concerned, you, the listener, he is AWOL. Jason's yeah. not here this week. It's so Mr. Pfeiffer has uh, graciously um, agreed to kick the show up a couple notches. Can you know, Jason? Eh, he hasn't been bringing it the past couple weeks. <laughs> Jason, I did not say that. I did not say that. That's your buddy Vince well, there. Well, well, we wanted to talk about the tooth, so I figured that's why we had him on. I actually, you know what I got today from uh, the friend company of DCBS, Inspectorates. I got my copy of the tooth today. I'm holding it in my hand right now. That's wow. Nice. Awesome. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to read it. Just luxuriate in the beautiful design of the whole thing. Man, it's a nice-looking book. It is, it is really nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Um, I knew that we were going to have another week, so I've got the last third of it to to read, and uh, going to do that. I was telling Will before we started recording, I'm going to be up in his neck of the woods here this weekend, get a little uh, get a little trip planned, and head up to New Glarus, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, do the brewery tour and and hang out in uh, in God's country there. Which uh, I guess uh, speaking of beer, do we want to do uh, a drink roll call? That would have been an excellent segue. Yeah. 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 Professionalism <laughs> would have been. Would have been yes. If you hadn't stepped all over it. No, if, if you, you didn't. If you didn't hold up the sign that said Segway. Segway, <laughs> baby. Uh, David, why don't you lead us off this week? I yeah. am uh, finishing off bottle of uh, Bola Bartolino. We're back to great. Yep. Back, type. back in the swing, David. Don't <laughs> <laughs> what you know. Um, and, and Vince, I'm sure, will um, surprise us with his next malt liquor selection. No, I wish I had a hurricane, but I'm drinking Lion's Head, just like last week. Oh, Cheap and effective. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there were some people on the, on the forum that uh, said they used to uh, go out and drink that uh, whenever they were pouring in college. <laughs> uh, Lion's Head, cheap for beer, beer for cheap bastards. I was going to say cheap for beer bastards, which would kind of fit too. There you go. Yeah. How about our guest, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pfeiffer? How about you? I'm drinking a delicious bottle of a Mothership Wit, organic Ooh. wheat beer brewed with spices from the New Belgian Brewing Company of, I believe, Fort Collins, Colorado. It was in the refrigerator. Yep. That is correct. It's a, that's a brewery tour that I've been wanting to take for a long time. Apparently, the end of the tour, you get to um, 
ride down a uh, uh, a spiral slide. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's it's a slide. Like Rocky Brewer does or something. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, it's you have people that love love what they what they do, and they they put a they put a big twisty slide at the end. So I've got to right. I've got to do that brewery tour. Um, I um, like Vince most of the time have to uh, send out a big thank you Ooh. for this week and it has to do with the drink home oh, piece of paper here. it's from my buddy Bean on the forum oh nice down in um, Florida uh, Bean sent a six pack of uh, uh, different beers from the Cigar City Brewing Company in Tampa Bay Florida I believe is where they are located uh, yep, Tampa, Florida. And tonight I am drinking their Cubano style espresso brown ale. And it is a very, very good uh, espresso. Uh, very stoutish, but uh, it's just a really dark ale. So uh, big thanks to Bean. I saw this uh, um, package on, on my doorstep. And uh, I was like, "What is that?" And it says "fragile" all over it. Um, it was not from Italy. It's it was fragile. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, so yes. And whenever I opened it up, I was very, very excited to uh, see a that it was from Bean, and uh, and b that it was a bunch of uh, beer goodness. So look that at was, you. Uh, that was awesome. So Bean, yeah. thank you so much. I've had several of the other beers. <laughs> This is actually the last one where he had the uh, the IPA, and there was a couple IPAs, and there was a nice uh, brown ale in there, and uh, and all the stuff from uh, from Cigar City Brewing has been really tasty. So thanks, wow, buddy. Wow, that's awesome. Two things. Number one, Will, the next time yeah. you reach for a mothership, you have to yeah. tear the tear the cap off the sucker. Get oh, it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> n- number two. Uh, like uh, Max von Sydow in the Flash Gordon movie, I'm going to have to fall upon my sword here a little bit and apologize ahead of time for the audio quality of this episode because my connection has been really poop lately and uh, I think we're gonna, it's going to be very noticeable this episode. So just bear with us. If you're right. a first-time first listener, it doesn't always sound like this. And so, just take that I can't into wait consideration. For all the tech support that's going to hit the form when the episode goes on. Dude, I re- I rebooted the modem like like ten times. I tried everything. I can't get a good transfer rate. I just don't know what it is. So we're just gonna have to grin and bear it and talk about comics in the process. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Let's that do that. Cool. Can, can I send out another thank you? And oh my a little God, bit? what did you sure, get man. now? Someone locally. I got the coolest thing ever, and I, I tweeted. Uh, about it last week, but uh, a friend of mine is a Chicago City cop and became friends with one of the people that handled a lot of the props for the uh, the Dark Knight movie here in Chicago. I saw, yeah. And he gave last week a um, uh, a Gotham City Police Department badge that was an actual prop for the Dark Knight Returns movie. Nice. It is fucking sweet. That's cool. Do you have yeah. to swear? Yes. Fucking A. There's company. Yeah. Not after the last convention we had. 
He's family. Yeah. Uh, I did see the picture you uh, tweeted of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's nice. It's really cool. So I'm I'm trying to find a, a place in the comic room to to put it up or display it. I want to frame it, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It is nice. You know what? I kind of wish that. Uh, what was it, Cataclysm? The big earthquake in Gotham? Remember that storyline, yeah, yeah, Cataclysm? Yeah. I kind of yeah. wish that stuck because I am so sick of Gotham. Like, the, the, no, real, just just hear me out. He's going to tell me I'm wrong anyway. But and I and I and I know the the logic behind it. It makes perfect sense from a from a let's make some money standpoint. But does Jonah Hex have to be stationed in Gotham? I mean, really? He's going to bury something in the ground that Bruce Wayne's going to find 80 years from now. Oh, please. You know something like that's going to be. And that's kind of neat. I mean, I, yeah, it, it's, it's all right, but I'm just, I'm just tired oh, of Gotham. I, I do every day. <laughs> no. I, I, because I, I love Jonah Hex, and, and I don't think that he has to be tied to anything to be relevant. He's just a strong character on his own, you know? So. You know how I feel about Gotham. It's a pox. It's a pox. A pox on the DC universe. Chris is carrying on a bit about anything on the show. I think Marvel would be much better off without fucking Manhattan. How about that? Yeah, let's let's get rid of the real place. (laughs) Gotham is just Manhattan anyway. No, it's not. (laughs) They're all there. If you want to be a if you want to be a supervillain in the Marvel universe, fucking move to New Jersey. Free fucking rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next event. Free rain. There you go. The next event, Marvel. All of the supervillains move to Pennsylvania and, oh. and and just take over the world because all of all of the do-gooders <laughs> live in Manhattan. Taking over the world from Pennsylvania. That's great. There you it, go. It, it could happen. It could and they realize, and they go to Am country to go to recharge their 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 gliders and everything. Realize they can't. Yeah, and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> like that, it, you know, look- that it is an interesting discussion because Marvel has always been centered around Manhattan, where DC has a lot a lot of fictional and real cities, but mostly fictional cities, mostly fictional. stars, and yeah. fiction. And, you know, it's uh, Gotham and and so, your coast, your Keystone. Yeah, yeah, I mean they have they have a They're much awful. wider geography. Awful. Yeah, not not a great time to be living in Coast City. Sorry. <laughs> See, okay, now, now that's what I. That's what I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, I was thinking about that. I have clicked blank. I don't care what the basis of of this of this asinine protest is, but it's like you're going to spend that much energy on something that hasn't happened yet, and and it's. I didn't. The only time I think I ever just was so shaking my head over something that happened in a comic book was Emerald Twilight, and what did I do? I stopped buying it. That, that's all I did. I was just like, you know what? This this is ridiculous. It wouldn't happen this way. It's not. It just it, <laughs> and I walked away. So I was just like, I'm you done. know, for for those out there that are unaware of what you're saying, explain what it is making us regret. Well, like I said I didn't. I did in in the stereotype of comic fandom right now. Well, see, I didn't. I didn't click the link. I don't know what the protest. I, I just. I just know that if somebody said that 
they're going to be a bunch of protesters at San Diego Comic-Con this August, and they are going to basically be protesting the new, the, the, the DC New 52. And I, I right now, I, I want to make a call to arms for all of our listeners that are going to San Diego. All three of you. I, I <laughs> all three of you to have a counter-protest protesting <laughs> the protesters at San Diego. Because protesting at San Diego has started to be the stupid fucking... <gasps> just in with the language. I know. Every year, every year, there's some group that's protesting something. You know what? It's the fucking comic book convention. Go there and buy your books and meet your creators. Go to your overcrowded Hall H and see your movie stars. Don't do we do we really need in this world to dedicate time to protesting? Of I wonder. I wonder how many of those protesters are bringing books with them so they can get signed by creators that are actually exactly. going to be working for DC in September. It's like, listen, I hate what you're going to do next month, but but could you sign this run of of Teen Titans? It's just like, dude, I don't. You know, Very so nice. I, I, I didn't. This country is fighting two and a half wars right now, and people are actually dedicating time to protesting DC's publishing strategy. Really? And as we all know, people will say and protest things on the internet they would never do. Of course. Like yeah, your yeah. Face. And and what's going to be the resolution of this whole thing? Is Dan Dio just going to look upon this <laughs> this 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 huge? throng of unwashed shaggy shaggy men and say you know what we better change our strategy because yeah, it's not working what we're thinking yeah, yeah, we're well, gonna I, lose all these people we're gonna lose these three dozen people right here i can't i, I don't think we can <laughs> they probably don't buy the books anyway and right. well, we well, won't download these books anyway yeah i mean it's like <laughs> good for you no, you know and, and will and actually and, and i don't want i don't want to i don't want to pick a scab but Take away, my friend. We, we we talk about we talk about folks on the internet that bitch and complain and whine and moan about stuff, and and we've talked about Amazon's attacks before. And you know, <laughs> oh yeah, Mark, you have a really good sense of humor about it. I think we all know that that there are a lot of things that were out of your control with that as far as plot, but you took a lot of heat for that series. I did, uh, and undeservedly so. Well, I mean, if people are going to buy it, they can, you know, if they have an opinion, I don't care. You know, they can share it with me. And a lot of people on the Internet, you know, when I, I on my blog, I would, every time an issue would come out, I would ask, you know, if you have any comments, good or bad, feel free to post them. And I got a lot of them, and that's fine. But I'll tell you what, all the shows I've been at, all the copies I've signed, not one person in person ever said anything. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. one ever come up to you in person and giving you shit about Amazon's no. attack. And if they did come up and say, you know what, I bought it, I didn't like it, I didn't think it worked out, I'd be like, no, that's fine. I wouldn't be mad at them. That, you know, they bought the book. They're entitled to their opinion, but nobody ever did. Mm -hmm. Nobody yeah. at the shows ever does that, unless it's somebody who's like, like the, yeah, well, the guy who, I, the Rob Liefeld thing was at last know, year or whatever. Yeah, well, oh, okay. yeah, dude. <laughs> You know, speaking of Rob Liefeld, you got to give him a lot of credit. If you follow him on on Twitter, the dude has this renewed interest in comics. He's he's no, so gung ho. It's not renewed, dude. No, he's constantly always like that. He is the most 
enthusiastic, energetic comic creator I've ever seen on Twitter. I don't. It, it doesn't matter what about it. That's why I'm not. I'm not too worried about um, whether or not a Deadpool movie's still going to happen after the after how good or bad Freelancer's doing, because all you have to do is be locked in a room by self, and he's going to get you amped for this movie. Right, but not, okay, he, I shouldn't have said the enthusiasm. How about, he's also, ha he also has this renewed drive to produce, oh, and that, yeah. that's something he hasn't been doing over the, I mean, there was a time when his books were excruciatingly late, but now, mm -hmm. he, I think he has like three issues of of um, The Infinite done or okay. Penciled, at least, he's got Hawk and Dove, going strong the guy's like just churning the stuff out yeah that is, that is well, good you know you you brought you brought up green lantern and uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna do another thinly veiled segue for vince here um I may, I may <laughs> everybody notice the sign that uh, uh green lantern was not reviewed particularly well and the drop-off has been pretty significant but i i think i came up with the uh with the marketing strategy and that's if you know that your movie is not going to be received very well and you want to kind of clear away the stink of a movie very quickly and have it be overtaken by an even stronger stench. You're trying to get me mad, aren't you? You just, you just released that movie a couple weeks before a Transformers movie. See, then that's not right. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be you. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? <laughs> you know, oh, I have not seen it yet. I just oh, it's ah, oh, it's fantastic. Exactly racist. Yeah, I saw it last night with my son. You know, I have to say, I'm no fan of the Transformer movies, but this one is getting the best reviews by far of any of them. It is well, they a had no, not actually good reviews, but they're better than the reviews for one and two. So it it does it's better. Now, I'm going to use the word suffer, but I, I don't believe it's actually true. But someone else would consider this a, a cause for suffering. It does suffer from the same things that plague the first two movies. There's those goofy little comedic bits that he throws in. Uh, okay. the, the, the stupid parents are in it again. Mm -hmm. Not for long. I mean, I, like in the, the I do too, but in the second movie, the parents were, their, their part was way too big. Yeah. The, the, I, I just want to check the second one in this, in the third one, the parents have been trimmed down to maybe six minutes, seven wow. minutes. So, no, really, yeah, it's all about Sam in this one. And uh, I'll tell you, the last forty-five minutes are probably the most astounding three D special effects you will ever see on the screen until something better comes along. And this is what Chicago gets wiped off the face of the earth, right? Oh, they they do nasty things to Chicago. I was looking for Chris running like a bitch, but I could I couldn't find him. No, it's fantastic. The, the battle scenes are just amazing. Really, really well done. We were we were uh, riveted to the seats. My son was freaking out during that. I was too. It's just a, a great time at the at the movies. And they, you know, if you want cinema, you know, and, and you're a purist, it's not going to appeal to you. It's just a fun time at the movies. It's it's not lowbrow because I don't judge highbrow and lowbrow. If it makes me feel good, it's there. I love it, you know? And uh, it, it just made me happy. It's, I thought it was great. I was astounded by the cast because Francis McDormand's in it, Malkovich is in it. Yeah, yeah. John Turturro. Turturro, yeah. Well, he's in all of them, yeah. Uh, Patrick Dempsey. Did I see this? Yep. Bill O'Reilly in it somewhere? <laughs> yes, he is. Bill O'Reilly's in it. Yeah, unfortunately, he does not get smushed, but but he's in it. 
Uh, and he's from my state too. Isn't that great? <laughs> Thank Sorry. you. All right, let let's go into some comics. What do we got, guys? I got the first issues of Venom. What? I got the first issues of Venom. I heard Venom. You're you're, you're busting up. But we can talk about Venom. Issue? Did you read the fourth issue? The fourth issue? I didn't read it. I looked through it, and I don't know. This may be a compliment. It is a compliment to Fowler. Like. Tony Moore is a fantastic penciler, all-around great, great artist. And I looked at the cover, and it said Moore, and it didn't say Fowler, and I was a little bit disappointed mm. because I it, was looking uh, for some Tom. No, well, it, it, in the page of the third issue, they said the, that Moore would be back to wrap up the arc. Um, uh, the fourth issue, it, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed um, them staying through. Uh, 1992 because it's the pager store for some reason and uh, and and there were some some discrepancies with um with the art it looked like the general all of a sudden had a beard they didn't have a beard he didn't have a beard early in the issue but he's he's saying some brutal hormones because he had a beard by the end of the issue but other than that it was uh it it was it it wrapped up the arc nicely it's it's um I won't go into the, the the fourth issue with you, but it, it's uh, I I am pleasantly surprised with my liking of this series. Yeah, same here. I was very right. surprised that, that I enjoyed. it. I mean, it's almost a no brainer with Remender at the helm because the the guy does good stuff. But I never thought I would really enjoy a series about Venom. I think the last time was what Lethal Protector. <laughs> it's going right. back. It's yeah, going it back a long way. Yeah, sure. That was his first mini. Was it really? That yeah, was. <laughs> with, that, with that cardstock uh, red cover. Bagley. Man, that's Bagley. going way back. It is. Bagley, Bagley did cover. Tom Lobb did the interior. Yeah. We're a mess. We are. <laughs> we are a mess. No, it's, it was, um, but it's, it's uh, <laughs> I, talked, I talked about the first three issues on, um, on this, on, on the latest Marvel noise, but um, that was art was fantastic. I I, I like his Betty. Um, yeah, and sexy. I, that's not even his. And it, it was the um, it's it was just I, you know, it's nice seeing Jack O' Lantern as as an honor to God's threat. Um, I think you really like the fourth issue. Um, it, I got it, it. I was a little. I mean, it makes sense because of of when you're watching it through. Or when you read it through through Peter's perspective, but of course, you know he's going to stop to beat up on Venom, and and Venom is trying to in the third issue, you know, bust his ass over to the other side of town so he can he can you know, do what he has to do, and and it was just, it was like it, it really did stop. I was reading the issue, and I was just like, oh god, why you got to stop him now? And 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 um, it's but I'm I'm liking what Remender's doing with with Flash and and. and um, and I just I I, I like the idea of it because I, I did get a little I guess vent out in the nineties, but you know it was just it, it it was too much, and I just I was tired of it. And and this I think is a, is a pretty twist on the idea because even um, it, there, there are times where symbiote is it's like either schizophrenic or just bipolar it's like you know he's taking over but he's listening to flash and and it's it it's nice to see that that i guess he's maybe because of how flash feels towards spider-man 
maybe the, the symbiote is, is remembering when he was first attached to Peter, and I know I'm reading way too much into that, but it's just, it's, it's, it, it doesn't feel like the, the Eddie Brock Venom or, or any Venom since then. Does the symbiote have a gender? Yeah. Uh, I know there's an attraction or it has an effect, it had an affection for, for Peter. I don't know if it was ever, you know, determined that it's, it's, it has a gender. I, I wouldn't think it does. Because remember in, um, oh, geez, I forget the name of the storyline, when the, the symbiote split and there was like six venoms running around, and one of them I think was a woman. So it did bond with a woman in the past. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe, that, maybe it's a uh, switch. Switch hitting. Symbiote, hey, there you go. Which is kind of cool. It's sure. <laughs> yeah, if you like that kind of stuff. You go that way. <laughs> I don't there's anything wrong with it. No, of course not. No. What's <laughs> in oh New my. York, right? I mean, the laws, you know, laws that ain't like that. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That is so cool. That New York, yeah. That's giddy. It's a good thing. It really is. It's, it's not even like it's a good thing. It's just like, what the hell took you so long? Exactly. Right. I, it's just what we were talking about in the car. I said, I, my mother-in-law is kind of straight-laced. And I said, I don't care who you, you marry. I said, you can go marry a, a head of lettuce. I, it doesn't matter to me. And she's like, that's an affront against God. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, okay. There, there are people in Renee's family who are like that. It's like, oh, I hope I, I hope they don't pass that bill. And it's like, are you people stupid? It's like, years ago, our marriage would have been illegal. Who you exactly. say that, you know, that these people who care about each other, I, uh, just it baffles and how does it affect your life one way or another? Thank you. Yes, exactly. Look at you bringing it. That's right. It doesn't affect yeah. anyone but the people. Oh, yeah, I wrote... It's Will, oh, my liberal brother. They're all lesbians. Come on. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I got something a little different. What you got? What you got? Yeah. Uh, I'm going back a little bit for this one. I, I bought this in, uh, wow, I think 2006. Is it 2007? And it's been on the shelf ever since. Never got around to it. And uh, so I was searching around for something. I was in the mood for something different. And boy, did I get it. it uh, it's from our good buddies at Ad House. Mr. Chris, Chris Pitzer um, published this. It is called The Aviary by Jamie Tanner. Hmm. It's uh, 300 and, wow, 312 pages. And uh, it's um, it's strange. It's it's actually a series of uh, vignettes that that are all linked to the creation of this uh, toy called the Quiet Birdman, made by the Casualty J Organ Company. Uh, it's a bird with uh, it looks like a little bit like a Ben Franklin interpretation of a bird he's he has the uh the clothing a proper attire for a Ben Franklin type figure with the the uh the glasses the the rimless glasses on the uh on the bridge of the nose but it's a bird and um the the bird is actually silently judgmental of those in which he comes to contact with it's it's it, it's really unsettling the the in the author's own words, the bird is uh, the fanciest old-fashioned attire, lends our birdman an air of refinement, a sterling example of dignified repression. And, and the bird, the toy, actually expresses this 
repressed nature through blinking. He has this uh, blinking eye mechanism, and, and whenever a character would direct a comment towards or a question or something towards the bird, the, the damn toy responds but by blinking. It's it's really eerie, and uh, and the characters inter- interpret the motion in in ways specific to th- their desires. Like they're 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 asking questions or or you know commenting on their life, and the bird will blink, and they'll say, "Oh, you know," like they're they're reading things into the toy, and it makes you wonder: Is this damn thing alive? Is it not alive? What's going on here? It's really strange. Um, for example, in the first story. This elderly, lonely man buys the toy, takes it home, and and he laments to the toy the fact that modern-day women, and he calls them harlots and strumpets, are are a far cry from mermaids. (laughs) He's he's talking about mermaids because they're, they're, they're... they have an almost otherworldly refinement and their 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 chasteness like they they're basically naked but they use their hair to hide their nasty bits and and he introduces the toy through the magic of something he calls his computing apparatus he 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 fires up a a porno site for the bird to see and the toy closes its eyes it won't look at it so you, you got to wonder it's almost like that that Twilight Zone episode with the doll. Remember, you know, you, you couldn't tell if the one? yeah, this, this, what's going on here? This dude, he's rife with this desire. He's got this overpowering lust, and and he he doesn't act on it. He's again with the repression. The bird signifies some kind of repression, and uh, the bird helps him solve or cure this malady, and it's in a really strange way. It's it's nuts. But so so you get the bird with the old man in the story, and then that it it doesn't end. It's like all these characters revolve around the bird toy or people involved in the manufacture of the bird toy. Like you have this half man, half chimpanzee dude named Heinrich Bruno, who's a patron of the pornographic arts. It's a it's a chimpanzee in a suit. <laughs> and, and 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 he he talks about the the erotic nature of art. Oh yes, that's very erotic. And it's a chimpanzee. Uh, there's a a character called Professor Winterbottom, a genius in the body of a bulldog, a talking bulldog. Uh, he has a robot creation called Buttons. There's a um, a quadriplegic amputee. Well, obviously a quadriplegic would be an amputee. Uh, He's a a quadruple amputee, but he's also a stand-up comic. And his name's Funny Man. And he's not very very funny. And he only becomes funny. Or or very stand-up. Right. There you go. Well played. (laughs) That's the thing. He he wasn't funny when he had his limbs, but something happens and his, his limbs are taken from him and then he becomes funny he also becomes art and i'm not gonna spoil that i'll let you see that in the book um there's a foul mouth robot hired to write excruciatingly terse travel descriptions now what does that mean the, the let me find this section it, it's hysterical you, you, and and that's the thing time in the book is really weird um you'll have future events placed before past what would be past tense events and may, like kind of like a Quentin Tarantino screenplay you, mm-hmm. you'll have a little snippet of dialogue 
off to the side that plays out in a later chapter or a previous chapter. It, it's just like all these stories are actually overlaid upon each other. And um, it's, it's nuts how they intersect. But the, the robot goes to get a job. Uh, and, and after his first assignment, the, I guess his supervisor is sitting there with him, and he says, so, not bad for your first one. And the robot's holding up a sign, and all it says is beach. And, and the robot says, fucking hot damn. Uh, uh, the supervisor says, uh, yes, well, um, get some sun. And remember, concise appealing description. The robot says, all right, shit, ass butt. And the <laughs> supervisor says, yeah, foul mouth on you. Uh, so the, the robot's on a plane. And the the attendant comes Are up to me. Are you actually reading the comic to us? Yes. <laughs> the robot's on a no. The robot's on a plane. He says, and the, the attendant comes up to him and says, "Care for a soft drink or a packet of peanuts, sir?" And the robot says, "Go fuck a shit." It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but and then then in the next panel, you see the robot's hand, and he's jamming a knife into the neck of an anthropomorphic cat. And you're wondering what the hell's going on. And then later on in the book, you 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 actually see him meeting the cat and what led to him killing the cat. But it, there's a an, an anthropomorphic amnesiac zombie cat named Frank who's cursed to keep falling in love. He's dead and his body parts are falling off, but he just can't stop falling in love with women. It, it and and the thing, oddly enough, the thing that led the robot to take the job as a travel uh, writer was watching a television program with Frank and his relations with a prostitute. And the robot says, well, damn, I want some of that. So he becomes a travel writer. But you don't know that until you see the part with the robot being a travel writer. And then maybe 40 or 50 pages later, you see the cat on the television show. It's insane. It, it's really cool, a really cool read. There's a, a penguin crime scene photographer named Pago who has a penchant for necrophilia and cannibalism. Okay? And he's he just, a penguin. And he's a penguin. And he has, this, he has this metal camera cybernetic eyepiece thing hooked up to his head. And while he's defiling the bodies, he's taking pictures. And the, 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 the chief of police is like, come on, what are you doing? And he's, they shows this body in the bathtub and the, the penguin has blood just dripping out of his mouth and he's having a great time. And you see snap, 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 snap. He's taking pictures. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's an ambulatory mannequin named Chester. Uh, it's just loaded with just weird, weird characters, but they all touch upon each other in some way. Uh, in the beginning, when the old man goes to buy the the the, the toy, the Quiet Birdman toy, uh, the receptionist, Miss Diamond, in in the this casualty toy uh, casualty company, the receptionist names is is Miss Diamond. She'll like show up in like six or seven chapters with different characters. So it's like, like again, I can the only thing I can. Uh, one of the easiest comparisons is like a Quentin Tarantino thing. Pulp Fiction, how all those stories kind of dovetailed and intertwined and yeah. loop back upon each other. That's what this aviary is. And as I was reading it, are you guys familiar with number stations? Have you ever heard the oh, number yeah. stations? Uh, the the shortwave radio-based 
tools used by intelligence agencies to contact. Or aliens. Yeah, oh. or aliens, uh, and they, they use them to contact. They're fucking creepy. If you they remember, are creepy, exactly. Numbers like in sequence, like right. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. But but the thing about the number stations is there's information being disseminated over these things. Yeah, but, it's, and it's anybody. Basically, it's basically codes. Right, right. That's the thing. Most people aren't privy to the code, so the average listener, it, it, it to to the average listener, it sounds like. It's this eerie and unsettling, but, but you get the impression that there's more going on no, than what's look, look, look it up. There was a there was actually a really um, cool fringe episode that was based around the number stations. Mm -hmm. But in the uh, Wikipedia, the just number stations, and yeah. there are links to sites that record these and will play them back. There's actually I actually have the link. Well, there there's a CD set. That yes, you can four buy discs. of member stations, and really? the really creepy ones are the ones with the kids. And right. just think, like you know, it's just kids that are just like one, eighteen. And then, but the weird thing is, after the numbers, you'll hear this really weird music, like and then the kids start with the numbers again. It's, it's, it's but you can you can download those for free, legit copies of those discs for free. Um, I'll, I'll put the link up on our um, episode thread. No, really, they're they're really creepy. But that's the thing, the, the the equivalent, the aviary is like the visual and mental equivalent equivalent of these number stations. It, initially, no, it's creepy, and initially it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the more you listen, the better your chances are, or in this case, read, the better your chances are to uncover the code. And the code actually does get does play out in this book uh, it does make sense but you're gonna have to brave through a couple of vignettes until the the connections start to fire up and then you say oh that would that happen like another you know two chapters back i get that and that's the guy that was in that scene it's really creepy and it's very well done i love this book uh again it's by jamie tanner uh, published by Ad House, it's only twelve ninety five for three hundred and twelve sixteen pages. It's, it's it's a value. Go check it out. It's very good. I when will. You out? would. Two thousand and seven. I never heard of it. You will. You will like it. Will I know you? Yeah. Will. You because you, you're a brave soul. And like, <laughs> what the fuck? You see that, right? He just thinks automatically talking about him. I know. talking about me. I wasn't. You know, there needs to be a contrarian. Otherwise, it's just like, yes, man. Very cool. And you have selfishly assumed the position. That's awesome. Fucking phrase, assume the position. Yeah, really. Choose what I do with with Vince. That's why I end up getting followed by sodomy bots on Twitter. Do you ever see when, I, when I'll, I'll drop the word Satan on Twitter? The Satan bot always pops up. It's like, it's uncanny. You say Satan, there's a Satan bot. It's awesome. The fucking crossed bot is fucking scary. <laughs> Love it. Fucking crazy bastard. <laughs> Jamie Tanner, The Aviary. Check it out. Chris right. Pitzer does good stuff. Yeah, I, I still need to read a Welcome to Oddville. Me too. It's it's sitting it's right here. I'm touching it right now. I'm touching it. Jay Stevens is a son of a bitch. He's That's so great. good. Yep. So good. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. What else we got? Will, why don't you take the mic? Okay. I'll I put a like beat behind you. About, uh, Get closer to the mic, though. Is that better? I mean, it's like well, headset mic. 
better, worse, better, better. Put it, put it in the back of your throat, like Chris does. See how that works. <laughs> Is that okay? Oh, That's good. That's back of my throat. Told you what bot I was being followed by, right? <laughs> I'd like to talk about a book, and I, I know Chris has it. I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but I got it for Father's Day, and this. This is the uh, the history of DC Comics, the Paul Levitt wrote. Ah, uh, yes. book. I think it's bigger than your daughter, isn't it? It is bigger than my daughter. It weighs more than my daughter. And you know, the thing is, I didn't even really want it until I, I saw it online, I saw pictures, but until I saw an actual copy of Cito Cito, that's when I actually wanted it. Because this book, <laughs> tell me, Chris, it's amazing. It's like, yeah. It's indescribable, and it's. I mean, I know from a from a standpoint of like a book designer or like somebody, a printer or a designer. It's you can see why this thing is like has like a two hundred dollar list price. Yeah. Because it weighs a ton. It's beautifully. I mean, the cover. It comes in its own case, like a little suitcase with a little handle on it, and the the pages are beautiful. And each chapter is separated by this glossy paper. It's hard to even describe how thick it is. It's almost like a. Like it's, a, it's, it's, it's metallic. Yeah. It's metallic paper. Mm-hmm, metallic, and each one is like the silver edge and silver bronze. Yeah. Modern age is, is like you know a crazy cover from that era where you know the light just bounces off. And it's, yeah, hollow foil. Yeah. As a, as, a, as a graphic designer, this is like the dream project to Oh have. yeah, it would be like your life's work. I, if you were a comic book fan, this would be the ultimate project to work on. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I haven't even really read it. I don't know if I'll ever sit down to read it. For one thing, it, it weighs a ton sitting on your lap. But, I mean, the, the images, you know, there's, there's every old comic you can think of and all kinds of behind-the-scenes photos and original, you know, like whenever they can, they'll have original art, you know, an original, you know, Batman page or, an, you know, ancient Superman sketches. And it's just, and it's so big, you can just see every detail, all the pencil lines and, and whiteouts and everything and, I mean, it's something. Each section has a giant fold-out timeline in, that would take an hour to read just on its own of like everything that happened in that decade. And yeah. I mean, it's the kind of book you just keep coming back to again and again and again. It's it's a, a beautiful piece of work. It's not cheap. It's like at least a hundred bucks on Amazon, even with the discount. But but it is worth picking up if you. It is the in-depth history. history of seventy-five years of that company. Right, and yep. everything from. You know, from the first issue of New Fun to Tiny Titans is in there. I mean, it's everything in between. And the Fawcett stuff. I mean, it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's all the, the movies. You know, stuff. there's yeah. there's you know, even for stuff like you know, all the Superman and Batman movies. I mean, there's images you've never seen before. There's all kinds of toys. They have a couple giant double page spreads of just like DC action figures posing for photos and stuff. And yeah, it's it's pretty amazing stuff. The only thing wrong with it is that I'm not mentioning it, those bastards. <laughs> You're not mentioning it? But as, much as, as much as you've written for DC? No. It's, it really doesn't bother me. It, it's, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm protesting that. Those sons That's of right. bitches. Yeah. You should, you should <laughs> throttle Phil Levitz when you find him. Just <laughs> Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz. Why did I say oh, Phil? Yeah. His brother? I don't know. Is, his brother Phil? His the lesser-known brother Phil. <laughs> the one thing I he once said was, this is back back in, it must have been early 2000s or something, there was something, somebody was criticizing DC. It might, maybe it was like when they were, when they pulped the Superman book or something like that, and Paul Levitz had a quote that went something along the lines of, 
people say DC is a reactionary company, we published finals. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. There's a picture of Paul Levitz in this um this I don't not month, but this edition of the Tashin catalog. Yeah, he's I mean and there's a picture of him holding it. And even that yeah. convey just how immense this book is. But it's Yeah, I, th- I think whenever I mentioned that picture um last time I, I mentioned the, the, the Willie Tomlin character. Exactly. That's yeah, what it looked like. Yeah. It looked like yeah. a child holding it. Yeah. I mean, it, it weighs like, I don't know, what is it, 25 pounds at least? It's, I mean, it's you easy. could kill a man with it. Oh, easily. Sure. I mean, I, you, I literally can't read it for too long because it's too heavy on your lap. You have to, like, they, and, for, and for those punks that complain about Ambu's being too heavy. Oh. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, this... this <sighs> It, it's anonymous <laughs> is meant to be read. This is meant to be looked at occasionally. Right. You're not meant to sit down and read this or take it on the bus with. You. Well, yeah, like like a lot of Tashin books, that book is meant to be displayed yeah. on its own yeah. stand, opened up. You know, it's 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 a it's a hallway type or a uh, like a vestibule type thing that you display it's it's a piece of art in itself so it is it is a piece of art and it's i mean the, yeah. the image I mean, on the cover it, it, is a great old yeah. golden age superman it, it just looks it's spectacular it's just yeah, yeah i got i have to get that yeah. i've been it's i've been not, holding off just a coffee table book i mean you could literally could put four plates on this and make a coffee table out of it you could you could sure. easily yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm look, looking forward to their uh, they're going to publish a book of linda mccartney's photographs that should oh. be a re- really cool book, yeah. Yeah, because it's not it's not just Paul and the Beatles. It's like Hendrix, the Stones, uh, Jim Morrison. I mean, she was around everybody. You know, well, God, you know her her maiden name was. That's right. Yep. So, Eastman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Eastman so, Kodak. She the was, turtles? Is that what you did? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, uh, 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 clever. So, no, she, she, she He's was, always uh, clever. Yeah, photography family long before the the Beatles fame. Uh, I, I was gonna uh, do the 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 wood portion of the uh, the show and uh, talk about a little article that uh, that Comic Book Resources put out today that kind of made me chuckle a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. It's the uh, the late list. It's their. Uh, <laughs> It's their running tab of of books that are running late, and and I want to I want to put this out there with the disclaimer that I personally don't have a big problem with late books. I understand why a lot of books are late. I mean, they're everything from like creators having health issues or just life getting in the way or having to not do a book because they have to take other paying work, especially in the in the creator own stuff. But some of these did kind of make me chuckle a little bit. Um the first one is the uh, the Green Lantern number uh what sixty seven, uh which you would expect that book to come out on a on a pretty regular basis. Um, this one's just two weeks late, not a big deal. But the funny thing is that it's the end of the the current uh, the current big Green Lantern event, I guess. And there are going to be epilogue books that are coming out before the actual conclusion book, which Ooh, is never <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Never a good look. Uh, then there's a, a few others. Uh, uh, Astonishing Captain America, if you guys remember that one, uh, had been announced, and uh, and it's uh, it's two months behind. Uh, uh, Batman Europa, which I was really looking forward forward to, uh, written by Brian Azzarillo and with art by a variety of different artists, and that was supposed to come out like five months ago. Huh. Really. Yeah, and and haven't uh, haven't seen and, and I know that uh, I know that Azarillo is doing the Flashpoint Batman series, and he's got uh, yeah, uh, Space Man coming out, and and that kind of stuff. So I I don't know what happened with uh, Batman Europa. Um, uh, here's the the one that would make Jason laugh, just because if this is if there's one book that should be late, this is it, just because thematically it works. Uh, now 14 months since. Uh, Image United number four was supposed to come out. E- easy target. Yeah, kick a baby. Well, mm-hmm. no, I'm just I'm I'm saying it's the funny thing. It, it is. Well, it is. I just said there's a book by DC called Publisher on this list. The what? There's a book on that list you're reading by DC called Publisher. Oh yes, yes, and and I will and and I will get to that one. Uh, here's another one. Sorry, going back over to the House of Ideas. You guys remember uh, Captain America White? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty-two months overdue now. That's Ooh. almost three years. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the screw at you on that. I believe. I'm sure. Uh, um, uh, the twelve, even though uh, it's back the on the track though. The good news is that it's back on track, and it sounds yeah. like they're actually going to finish it up, which is nice. great. Was one of my favorite issues of the last few years. Uh, uh, the twelve number nine is thirty-three months overdue. Wow! Uh, but uh, but will they? Apparently, uh, it's it's back on track. Pages are done, and they're going to get back to print on it. Uh, the next one, War Heroes. The, uh, the oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, 33 months uh, in between issues on that one. Uh, number four of six, uh, still waiting on that one. Now, here's the uh, the DC publisher that uh, that da- that David was uh, mentioning, and that would be All-Star Batman and Robin, mm. for <laughs> number 11. 38 months. Like, yeah, I don't think we want that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fun book though. Fun as much as you talk about it Batman Odyssey, bring on some All Star Batman and Robin. Oh, uh, Odyssey makes better. Here's one that makes me really sad. Uh, Fell number ten. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's Four, fallen. Forty four. <laughs> yeah, but, but apparently uh, it is uh, it is back on track. There was a uh, a massive hard drive crash uh, that Warren yeah. Ellis had. I guess he lost a bunch of scripts and that kind of stuff, and so he had to redo some stuff. So uh, it is back on track. And I had yeah. seen that uh, uh, Ben Tupplesmith was live drawing some fell pages at Isotope a few months back. So hopefully that was for uh, for fell ten. Uh, another warning. Uh, Mr. Else, Technology but, has a hard drive crash, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, really. We'll believe back that. up, dude. Come on, don't yeah. you don't want the cloud? He's he's yeah. got a USB port in his ass, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. I doubt he had a hard drive crash. Uh, 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 Desolation Jones, uh, now yeah. months overdue and presumed dead, which makes me sad. Uh, here's one for for Vince: uh, Spawn, Batman, Inner Demons. <laughs> oh my god! Fifty-four months overdue, mm. and, and worth the wait though. Fifty-four months. 
<laughs> Shut up, David. Is dead. dead. But uh, uh, the news <laughs> is that if you want to see uh, uh, Kufulo draw Batman, you'll get your chance with uh, with he and Scott Snyder oh, on yes. uh, Batman. And then, uh, and then the last one, uh, one that I I had totally forgotten about was Wild Siders number three from J. Scott Campbell, and uh, it is sixty two months overdue in between. Oh my and, God! So I. I just, I just kind of, uh, I was kind of cracking up. Now, Vince, you're, you're starting to crack up, so you can either give us uh, a good exterminate, or we, <laughs> we can move on. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it, please. Exterminate. Exterminate. <laughs> um, you know, will, will we very rarely get the, uh, the creator perspective on, on why books are late? I mean, we speculate. Um, I don't know if you've ever been late on a book or ever had a book come out late. Um, um, you know, I I think if mostly I would just turn it in like you know maybe a week late, but they build that stuff in. I've never had a book that was wildly late. Um, I think a lot of times it's just people maybe get too many projects going. I think some of the you know some of the big guys. I mean, it, you know, it's hard to turn down a you know some kind of Hollywood gig when you know you can make real money. You know, versus a comic book that you know, you know, it'll it'll sort of always be there to work on. And I'm not saying that's right, but that's I mean, a lot of you know, it's just economics. I mean, you know, people are making a living, you know, and you got to pay the bills. So, I mean, I think that's. I don't think anyone intends to do a book late. I think people tend to bite off more than they they can chew with all the best intentions in the world, and then different factors. You know, I know my hats off to any artist because I can't see how anyone can do. 22 pages a month, so, I mean, I certainly see where that goes, and I mean, you know, with somebody like Jim Lee, I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of projects he's working on, I mean, is, is, uh, is, is, is the Batman and Robin going to come up before the Justice League stuff, or... <laughs> I said things Batman and Robin probably not going to come out for a while. Uh, well, I'm yeah. finally getting what Batman Holy Terror in a, or just called Holy Terror now, coming the out fixer. like September. The Fixer. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. But um, and you know the thing is, I know. I mean, I remember way back when waiting for that fourth issue of Dark Knight. You know, yeah, you know, Dark Knight. Yeah. And what about Camelot three thousand? Camelot three thousand, yeah. and you know, waiting for Watchmen. I'm trying to think. I know. Um, you know, All Star Superman had some issues, and some people were like, they should do a, you know, they should get a fill in artist in that. And it's like, oh, exactly. You wait a little bit. You know, okay, so you have to wait. Now, does it matter that All-Star Superman had late issues? Now, does it matter the Camelot 3000? No, you've got it. It's done. I mean, I'd much rather have it right than on time. Yeah. Well, there, there's one that I was a huge fan of this book, and it's a it's a miniseries. I think it's got five or six issues. If you remember Infinite Horizon from Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto, yeah, I remember that. Ago. Like the fourth issue, I think it's the fourth issue, is, is and this is like two years since the last issue has come out. It's finally back in previews, and that was an Eisner nominated series. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just there's just sometimes where where folks that do creator own books, they have to put that on the back burner right. while, while there's one, you know, pain, pain work. And, and so I never, I never fault creators for that. And, you know, and then there's other guys, you know, say, you know, here's my, another apology to, to Bendis in the long line. Um, you know, say what you will about that guy. He's prolific. His books. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, never late. I mean, the guy the guy writes, and and you look at you know some of the Jeff John stuff. Um, the, there's been there's been some delay issues, and you kind of wonder if if maybe there's just too much on the plate. But uh, I mean, I tend to think you know that's probably what it is. I remember on a you know a lot of my favorite books are, are indie books like Love and Rockets or Acme Novelty or Dan Clouds and stuff, and that you know that stuff comes out once a year if right. So oh, yeah. yeah, you wait for it. I re- when it was black, a, hole, black hole took ten years. Oh yeah, but I mean, in the end, it, it's definitely worth it. I remember at the first C two E two, um, Chris Ware was there talking, and and his latest issue of Acme hadn't come out, and he said, "Well, it's not going to be out until fall." This was in the spring, and it wasn't that it wasn't done. It's he couldn't get the right material he wanted for the hardcover, so he had to wait until that was shipped in from overseas somewhere. And it's like, well, <laughs> if he wants to put in that, you know, I'm I'm willing to wait for somebody who's willing to put that much sure. care into a book. Sure. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the next issue of Sonic Disruptors. Oh Lord. Where the hell is yeah. that? Oh, there let's, you go. Let's get on that. Green? I know Barry. I could ask him if he's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, FYI, if I if I leave abruptly, it's uh, because of weather. Because it's getting biblical out here. Damn. Is it really? We got nothing here. So yeah. it's, it's imaginary. Yeah. yeah. My, 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 an hour and a half. It's it's getting nasty here. I'll be right back. As, oh, as, as far as um. That's good. That was as, as um, it's it's also a different <laughs> time now. I mean, we it's, it's easy for someone who's like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of waiting for all star super. I'm tired of waiting for civil war. Why why can't you know someone in Steve McNiven right draw this? It's 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 one thing to say that now, especially during an event. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. an event should be done by the entire. I, yeah, I, I agree. Final crisis, but it's it's one of those things where, um, back in the day where you were writing for the trade, where you weren't telling these four, five, six, eight arc, six-issue arcs, where if, if you had, because um, I, I, I just, pretty, uh, back issue 45 had a, uh, had had a, an interview with uh, Daniel Neal and Neil Adams where they were talking about their Green Lantern, Green Arrow run. And, mm-hmm. um there was a fill-in issue. Um, issue 88 was, was a fill-in issue where it had, uh, it had some reprints from... Uh, it had an old Gil Kane story. It had a, uh, an old Alan Scott star story. So it was, a, it was a fill-in issue, just a Green Lantern issue. And then it came back the following month. Now, now Green Lantern Green Arrow at that time was bi-monthly. And, uh, and, and Neil states in this interview that not only was he drawing and... and uh, well, at this point, he had pretty much Dick Giordano on, on inking, but not only was he drawing Green Lantern and Green Arrow, he was also doing like five covers a week for oh, DC, man. and that's penciling, inking, and coloring. So they wanted him to make sure that they wanted him to stay doing the covers, even though they were getting on his case because GLGA was, was, was a little behind, so they had to do a fill-in issue. And um, it's, it's, it's just it's much easier, especially during the Bronze Age, especially with DC, where, you know, you had... Two in one issue, both drawn by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson, and then you know, if Superman always read like it was an inventory tale, there was exactly. there was nothing going on where it continued to the next issue until until the eighties. Batman, you had some, um, especially the the the, the on and even the, the the Gene Colan era with Detective Comics, you you kind of had plots going through the issues because you had Dick growing up and, and graduating and and and. Being a more grown-up Robin, so he got away. You had 
instead of being at Stately Wayne Manor now, now they're at the penthouse of of Wayne Towers, and there, there were some cha- there were actual changes made in Batman, and I'm sure in Wonder Woman, and, and there were changes made in Green Lantern, but but there were times where they were just done in one issue, so you could have somebody come in do a felon issue, and and I, it was a different time because if they can't find the issue on the newsstands, they can't buy it, and, and you're not going to get a sale that month. So at least have something out there. These days, you have the direct market, and, and you you can afford to wait because you figure either the publishers figure, well, well, they'll be there in another week or two buying the book because they need their fix, or uh, they're putting out so much other product that something else will keep their attention for the next few weeks. Yeah, and, you know, back before the, especially before the internet, but even before the market, I mean, you didn't know. You would just buy the issue. That's not. Yeah. That was in it. There were no, you know, you didn't have access to even, like, fanzines or anything to tell you. It was just like, well, I'll take it or leave it. And, you know, they figured you would just take it, which, you know, I did. I didn't know or care if it was a new story because I hadn't read that many stories. Exactly. Right, yeah. You know, I just, I'm cool. I'm, I'm getting a Batman story. I'm getting a right. I mean, they did it with, um, on, before it became Kenny X, but X-Men was, they were running reprints, well, it was, it was right before Thomas and Neil Adams took it over, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, I mean, that was bi-monthly and on the block for a while, but I mean, it's not, it's not a heard of, or, um, I mean, now these days they're doing the reprints the back of the book of, of a one-shot or something, but it's, it, to, to take up space. But I have, I, you know, on one hand, if, if the type of, of of work you're doing, if the type of book that you're putting out, it's, if it's not going to interrupt a story in the middle, you're not going to have, you know, read parts one, two, and three, and then, you know, they're going to come out with a fill-in issue of War Heroes drawn by Neil and it'll come back to finish the arc if, in the middle of it. You're not going to do a fill-in in the middle of the story. So I can... Uh, like, well, Chris, I'm cool with waiting. But I like to... Um, what I like to have it with some regularity, well, sure, because I I read um, Zombie three and four, and I wasn't confused, but I was just like I had to just uh, it, because issue three kicks off right where the second issue ends, I had to just familiarize myself with, with what exactly it, it's been a while since I read the second issue. So so where did I leave off? Who who were the characters and 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 who who were the players in the story? And it just it took me a second only because I've been reading. So other stuff, but I have no problem with you know if, if, if the story is told by one person or one vision, and that's and that's the story they want to tell, then let them tell it. You, you can't have all star Superman with the other than more. No. Yeah. And how about that uh, zombie number four cover? So, first of all, I know I talk about um, how, how gorgeous Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker, is, but I cannot think of a more, I can't think of a prettier comic book than 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 the Razor Earth and Zombies on those pages. It's just, it's I I can just stare at those pages forever. I love blonde. I love colors. Yep. I, I'm, 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 oh God, it's heaven. And the amazing thing <laughs> is, if you put the covers to the first three issues, say on a tabletop, and then you drop cover number four, four is totally different from the three that came before yeah. he's 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 working monochromatic almost on the first three and then bam yeah. you get four that's on my list for uh, 11 o'clock for this year best cover 
It, it joins uh, Mr. Hardman. Yep. That's a great cover. There really is. Yeah, and you were mentioning um, we didn't have uh, advanced notice of uh, books before the well, direct yeah, market. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm no, agreeing no, with. Yeah. And uh, but I was gonna say the one of the things that I looked forward to most right at that transitional phase when we had the newsstand and the direct market kind of this in its infancy was uh, the comic reader. Remember that? Oh, yeah, because. I read the yeah, they would they would put cover images up and mm-hmm. and previews for like all of the DC books, all the Marvel books that were coming out in the next well, let's say the next month or two. And that back then that was almost the only resource we had. Oh yeah. Until until the Capital City or the or the Diamond catalog came out, and then you could be like, all right, well here's what's coming out. But uh, Comic Reader was an amazing resource. I love that book. I love. I had a couple each, a couple letters published in a few old issues of the comic. Like ah, do you really? My first encounter ever with any comic book fandom was the Comic Reader. Yeah, I used to have a subscription. I loved it. Ah, yeah. was, was awesome. Up. It's a it was a good good mag and it was printed on crappy ass newsprint. It, it was, was it was cheap. Yep. It was smaller than that. Yeah. that I, and, I mean I remember reading and the, the magazine though that really I mean more than even really more almost than any individual comic was the comics journal just opened my eyes to mm-hmm. you know, to Eisner and to Spielman and to you know, just everything. I used to look forward to Comics Journal more than I look forward to any of the comics that I was buying. Yeah, me too. But Comics Journal kind of made me a snob for a lot of years, though. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. They, because their their uh, elitist attitude was contagious. I mean, if uh, if you were a, a devotee, a devotee, whatever of the magazine, and you religiously read the damn thing, you you picked up on that that snobbery. And, oh yeah. And, I mean, for a lot of years, I would I wouldn't even read superhero books because of them. Well, there's, but there's nothing... That, I mean, what, what, the balance that I think needs to be struck, and it's a healthy balance, is is not not blocking or cutting yourself off from any comics. It's just try stuff. And, right, right. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's one, of my, one of my problems with uh, uh, Joanna Carlson from uh, Comics uh, Worth uh, Reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, first of all, the, the title of that site makes me want to stick a, a fucking <laughs> ice pick in my brain. Um, but, yeah, just, just the idea that, that all superhero comics that have been made in the last 15 years are are drivel. It, it's like, you know, come on. It, yeah. You know, see it for what it is. We were, ta- God, we were talking about Falling Skies last week, and it's like, Falling Skies may not be the greatest TV show ever ever produced, but you know what? It's good at what it does, and I think it needs to be, you know, rewarded as such. Sure. And, you know, superhero comics can be very good at what they do, mm-hmm. and they can be great at pushing the envelope in other ways. So there's, there's you know, don't predispose yourself to saying, oh, it's just capes and cows, so therefore it needs to be judged as a lower art form. And at the same time, don't look at, at an indie comic and say, oh, it's one of those, you know, slice, you know boring slice of life uh, books that, you know, the, the, the arty people read. It's, man, there's, there's value in, in all that stuff. And I actually have a book a little bit later I want to talk about that does a really nice job of kind of... Um, 
um, hitting that middle sweet spot between both of those. Yeah. And I would also add, Chris, um, mm -hmm. giant robots beating the crap out of each other. That's always good. I like that. <laughs> those are awesome. Hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I I will see that movie. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> and you will like that movie. You know, pro probably visually, absolutely. I'll, yeah. I'll like it. So I was just, I, I have to poke the bear every once in a while. Oh, I know, I know. Hey, I got something else. Well, yeah. can, can I, can I talk No, about yes, you can, because you were gone, you were gone for yeah. a couple minutes. It's, yeah, it's, shit, it's, 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 it's getting, it's getting crazy outside. The light show, God is having his, uh, the July show. Oh, yeah. A little early right now. It is the over Lake Michigan. I would not want to be a fucking boat on that lake right now because it is crazy outside. Uh, but anyway, the book I wanted to talk about that I just alluded to is uh, Citizen Rex. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is uh, uh, by Los Brothers Hernandez, but not uh -huh. uh, not not the not the two brothers that we usually think of. One of them, um, the uh, I think lesser appreciated and lesser talked about, uh, Mario yep. Hernandez yep. and 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 Gilbert. So it is uh, a Mario and Gilbert, and and you know honestly, I don't read a lot of Mario stuff. So uh, this doesn't was, do it nearly as much as the. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of uh, um, you know, it's kind of like the other the other Marx brother, you know, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Zeppo. Yeah, Zeppo. But Citizen Rex is is that nice sweet spot between um, you know the the sci-fi action comics and um, and the kind of envelope pushing indie comics that I was talking about. And there's, there's kind of telling forward in this, um, for Mario. And he, uh, he talks about, uh, an experience that he had in San Diego a few years ago and one that I can just, I can see happening and it makes me want to track down the person that said this and punch them in the <laughs> face. Wow. And, uh, Oh, I, I'll, 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 uh, I'll read right here. Um, it says, During the early stages of this project, I mulled over an encounter with a science fiction fan at a convention. This fan introduced uh, me to uh, a friend as one of the Lovin' Rockets brothers. Uh, the other friend snorted, Lovin' Rockets is nothing but a soap opera. I gave him my oh. friendliest shrug and said, but it's a well-drawn soap opera. Uh, and he goes on and kind of talks about the basis of Citizen Rex. And as soon as I read that, I'm just like, yeah, of, of someone would fucking say that, of course. And then I, I'm just like, you know what? That person's probably an X-Men fan. And the X-Men is one of the longest-running soap operas soap opera. in the histories yeah. of comics. Yeah. And, to, and to, to, to look down your nose at a comic that you consider... Uh, a soap opera is just ridiculous because you know what? They're all soap operas. Everything's a soap opera. You're yeah, right. Everything is a soap opera. So anyway, Citizen Rex um, is um, a little soap opera-like, but it's it's a little little science fiction. Damn, that's hail. Yeah, we're getting hailed on. Um, Damn. Uh, it's some uh, it's some science fiction. It's some soap opera. It's uh, it, it's everything that makes Love and Rockets really fun, but in in a different uh, in a different spin. Uh, it's about a uh, a blogger. He's a he's a like a celebrity 
gossip blogger, and this takes place in the future, and he blogs about like robot affairs, and there, it's kind of dystopian in that there was, and a little Planet of the Apes, there was a, a robot that became um, self-conscious and achieved celebrity status until something went horribly, horribly wrong, and and robots became um, uh, a point, uh, a rallying point for people to uh, to discriminate against and and commit hate crimes against. And this uh, this robot uh, citizen Rex, as you know, kind of like R two D two, it's C T Z dash R X one citizen works one um, disappears for like 20 years and now he's come back and no one knows really why the main character the celebrity blogger is wrapped up in in what's going on and has to find out the truth as to why this this uh, robot citizen Rex has come back and and there's a, a, a deeper mystery and it there's a lot of uh, noir qualities to it and and sci-fi murder mystery uh, it, it's just a really really cool book. Um, yeah. from, from Is it drawn Wars. by who mm-hmm. drew it? Drawn by Gilbert, Gilbert or? Yeah, it's drawn by Gilbert okay. I think it's uh, co-written by both of them I would assume um, and and drawn by by Gilbert. It may all be written by Mario. I'm not for sure. Uh, I, I would bet that there was just a lot of collaboration both ways. Um, I don't know. Does Mario draw? Some of this may be drawn yeah. by Mario. Yeah, he okay. did. Yeah, yeah. He had, I remember picking up that very first Love and Rockets trade, and he had something in that. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's no. a sto- story and art by Mario and, and Gilbert. So oh, okay. uh, I bet there yeah, but there's uh, a little bit from uh, from both of them. It's um it, it you know, I can tell I can tell Jaime from Gilbert obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know the enough of the differences between uh Gilbert and Mario to to tell what was what was drawn or or, or not by by the others. Mario's very loose. Yeah, it's it's a little more yeah, it's looser, a little more scratchier, maybe like a, a, a okay. looser line, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um you you would love some of the uh, the bad guys in that. They're called I, the truth the truth takers. <laughs> I had it in my hand. Uh it oh, you would it, love this book. You would it came it came out last week, right? Yeah, we were yeah. Ago. I, I had it in my hand and I, f- uh, you know, call me cheap, but I said, you know what, I can get this at a bigger discount if I get it from Amazon. Yeah, you yeah, know, but, you but know, you no offense to the the, the else. I I look through it. it. It looks a lot to me like those uh, stigmata stories that Gilbert did way back in mm-hmm. Love and Rockets. Uh, the the, yeah. the environment seems a l- very similar to that of that l- little girl with the stigmata. Those stories. erotic stigmata. You're right, erotic stigmata. Yeah. So but, I mean, um, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 right, it's, right, it's right up your alley. It's, sure. If you like, if you like, you know, the '70s dystopian films. Uh, it, if you're, you know, fan of, you know, Boy and His Dog and you know, Rollerball, that that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. This is right up your alley. Who but, wrote? Uh, who wrote huh? Boy and His Dog? Uh, Harlan Ellison. Yay, Christopher! <laughs> it was adapted in comic book form as what? I what do you mean? As what <laughs> the name the name of the the adaptation yeah. wasn't a boy and his dog it was God, called something else. Um, Will uh, tell him. Uh, Blood's a rover, right? Vic and Vic and Blood. Vic and Blood. Vic and Blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Drawn by Mr. Richard I, Corbin. I I love that. I love that movie. It's yeah. awesome. It's never been better. And uh, Michael Robards, right? Yep. 
Jason Robards. Jason, and, oh, right. Uh, sorry, Jason Robards. And, and the he's... dog is Tiger from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Oh, he's true. awesome. You are good. Yeah. <laughs> I know that Will is a fan of, of that, that era of movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, Ellison hates the... He, he, there's like a little jokey line at the very end. Like the dog says something about, oh, it was great taste or something. And Allison, like, hates that line. He's just like, oh, do you see? When he ever talks about that movie, he hates that line. Sometimes <laughs> Harlan needs to just relax a little Yeah. <laughs> Did he, he still alive? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. okay. I, I know he was in Failing Health, so. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know what, Christopher? Um, uh, speaking, I know it's a shitty segue, but speaking of uh, <laughs> failing health, we need to give props to the gentleman. Oh yes, yes. yeah, yeah. The dean has uh, has concluded class. Yeah, it's, and uh, uh, of course, Chris is talking about uh, Gene Cohen. We we lost one of the absolute greats of yeah, the medium uh, yeah, well, this I'm, this past week, and nice um, guys. Yeah, I never. Did you guys meet him? I never got a chance to meet him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The show, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, he was um, one of the in person, one of the sweetest, most gentle, and 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 kindest people that you would want to meet. Just uh, there was, it was much. You know, it was like four years ago that I met him. So he was getting on in years, and I would describe him at the time as being pretty frail. Um, mm-hmm. but just, just such a pleasant, pleasant, nice, just welcoming person. And, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, really lucky, really lucky to have done a, a pretty long interview, um, you know, back on, on AC and, uh, and we talked to Gene for, for well over an hour and it's, it's one of the, one of the coolest comic moments I've ever had, and then to have been able to meet him in person uh, a year or so later was was awesome. But the person that really hit it off with him was Sal. Nice. Um, so those two, I, I I think it's it's, and I don't want to speak for Sal, but I think it was one of the um, one of the cooler kind of greater moments that he had had in our time doing doing the show together and uh and I, he still talks about about how much he he really enjoyed spending some time with uh with Gene Colwin and uh um so you know the the limited amount that I got to talk with him and 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 meet him in person just just a, an outstanding human being yeah you know one uh on our forum uh bullpenbulletinspodcast.com forward slash forum and uh, on Twitter too Tom Scioli was lamenting a little bit about uh, Gene's kind of mentioning the fact that he spent a lot of time at the drawing board and you know later on in life he was kind of questioning whether it was the right thing to do and and Tom was like yeah I think about that a lot and I got to tell Tom because I think Tom is going to have the same effect. Oh, yeah, pretty much the same effect as Gene. Whereas I'm 45 years old, and um, 
I would not be anywhere near the same person. And it sounds odd uh, if it wasn't for Gene. I mean, and I don't, I, I don't know the guy. I mean, yes, I met him once, but here's a guy sitting at a, a drawing table churning out these gorgeous pages of, of art and he touched a fat little kid in, in Pennsylvania and, and, and I could remember, I mean, going to the newsstand just hoping that there would be another issue of Tomb of Dracula or Howard the Duck there and, yeah. and, and I would bring it home. It's just so excited. And then, uh, you know, the, the Dracula black and white magazine, the Howard the Duck black and white magazine, Captain America, Daredevil, Iron Man, just, take this art home and just sit out on the back porch and the guy was a part of my life and he he didn't know me from adam i mean he was uh, how many miles away and he had an effect on me forever and yeah. i think sioli's has that power too he's you know he he could do that he's 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 awesome you know so i i, I, when I think of you I, and in like books that you know it's like if you were you know on that on that on that you know that day, you know, decades and decades and decades into the future, you know, if if Vince leaves this world before you, and 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 you you can put, you know, something in the casket with him, you know, I would I would put a, a copy of Creepy Magazine and a copy of Howard the Duck in yeah. in the yeah. casket with you. It's and, true. It's you know, true. And I, uh, when I think of you, those are those are two books that I think of as as really shaping you, not just as a comic book fan, but there's there's a lot just in your being that that you know is kind of reflected in those books. And then Gene Gene Colton's a big part, you know, and of, and, and Steve Gerber, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and they ha they had the power from different locations of creating a piece of art that communicated to others in a way that transform their life into something other than it would have been if they weren't there my 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 distrust of any kind of <laughs> political fit yeah <laughs> authority that that all came from from steve gerber that acerbic wit that that questioning air that he had like never take anything at full value always question everything and and, and gene just just the magic that that guy could do with 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 the pencil was incredible and uh, like i said as a kid it was it was a revelation I, I mean they all paled in comparison to jack jack was the major influence on me but but gene yeah, he, i know, mean but, but he's honestly, up there it, i mean visually i think visually i think jack was a huge influence on you and, and creatively i think probably the biggest influence on you but i look at Philosophically, and I think that Steve Gerber is like oh, yeah. and yeah. philosophically. Um, you yeah. know, b before before I forget, um, if you want to do something good in Gene's memory and also help out some other creators, go over to eBay and search um, uh, search for Gene Colin uh, by name and and hero. And there are a group of artists that are are inking um, over the. Uh, scans of the of the pencils that Gene did. Oh, nice. An awesome picture of Dracula, and I I missed I lost the bid for Andy Park's ink today by a dollar fifty. Oh, damn! But guys like Kevin Millen and Chris Somney yeah. and Andy and 
Gabriel Hardman. It's it's a it's a bunch. Mitch Britweiser, uh, I think, is is done some done one as well. So uh, so track down that auction and you can get some fantastic. Uh, 11 by 17 inked commissions over, uh, over uh, scans of, of Dean's pencils. And yeah. they're just they're gorgeous looking. Yeah. Can't speak to the man because he's gone, but um, if I could, uh, Gene and as a result, Tom Scioli, I would say, yes, all that time you're spending at the drawing table is very much worth it. Maybe not for you, but yeah. for me, I'll tell you, it really was. So if that matters at all to you she she was pretty upfront that it cost him his first marriage yeah well i mean uh, what do you it's art you you got to bleed for it sometimes well yeah yeah i mean speaking of of gerber and colin did you guys ever read the phantom zone miniseries that they did oh yeah oh that's nice stuff and that was i was thinking that as almost like a pre it's a pre alan moore alan moore Story like taking superheroes and giving them a darker tinge, kind of a thing, and mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah, I was always impressed by that. I reread it not too long ago, and uh, it still holds up nicely, art and story wise. Yeah, oh, I think Alan Moore's, whether he knows it or not, his stuff owes a lot to Steve Gerber. Oh, I definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. But yeah, well, um, one more thing, I. It's Gene, so I'm not going to stop talking about him. Uh, that thing that Chris did with the the Hero Initiative, when you had um, Gene at the table, uh-huh. in, uh, um, uh, he was doing. If you donated to the Hero Initiative, Gene would do a, a free drawing for you. Back Yeah, and and I walked up to the to Gene, and uh, man, I'm nervous as hell. Here's one of my heroes, my all time this 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 god sitting in front of me, and I said to him, he goes, "What do you want?" And I said, uh, "How about how about Doctor Bong?" And he said, "How?" And he said, "How about Howard?" <laughs> and I said, "I said, I said, okay, Gene, you just do whatever you want to do." And he, I, you probably ain't drawn Doctor Bong in a long time. I, well, yeah, I used to, no reference. I mean, come on, yeah. Would he, he, he draw Howard as a human? That issue where he became a human. <laughs> oh, and he did that so well too. That's how you would think Howard would look. I know it was perfect. Oh, I'll do, I pull yeah. that essential off the shelf more than any other and just leaf through it because it looks so good in black and white too. I guess that's out of print, right? So is the uh, the oh, Howard the Duck omnibus is out of print too. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, that's I nuts. But I have it, and I've got the the first two of the two of Dracula omnibus. So yeah. and oh, then the Daredevil was so I mean the action it would just move uh, like yeah. He was really he was really uh, <laughs> one of the first artists that that brought a true cinematic feel to. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted, and he talked about it a lot, about how he wanted to capture the action of, you know, like a Steve McQueen you know, car chase and, and, and translate that to comics. And Stan would always fight him because Stan wanted to wanted to fill comics up with, with story, not not spread out action scenes. And, and so I think that they would uh, um, not... Not fighting a bad way, but I think you know artistically they would joust a little bit because Stan always wanted him to cut down the uh, the action scenes and, and put more more dialogue sequences in. Yeah, and I'll rem- I always remember. Uh, obviously, huge fan of Howard the Duck. Got however many issues it was uh, in a in a four color newsstand comic, but then when they did the Howard the Duck 
magazine in black mm-hmm. and white, Gene drew Beverly topless in bed with Howard. And I remember <laughs> staring at that panel like, am I seeing this? Is, is, this, is this really what I'm seeing? Because Gene, you know, Gentleman Gene, you always, I mean, they hinted at it in, in the comic, but come on, it was, a, it was a newsstand. Man, Tomb of Dracula, uh, black and white magazine that Gene could draw a mean rack. And, and always uh, in shadows, though. <laughs> Uh, you know what? That was the, that was the thing. Whenever they uh, were doing the essentials, the Tomb of Dracula essentials, and they switched over to what was in the uh, the oh, black yeah. and white magazine, right. yeah. where they actually added uh, right. some clothes to, uh, oh. to uh, that, that that one curly haired woman when Dracula comes into the room and she just drops yeah. the yeah the Jean drew I mean Jean drew her naked and in the essentials they they grayed it out. I was pissed at that. Yeah. You know. yeah. This is, um, I, I don't know when I'll ever have a chance to bring this up again, so as long as we're on the topic. I remember as a kid reading one of those giant Marvel Treasury Christmas issues, yeah. and I can't remember what store it reprinted. I think it was Daredevil or maybe Nick Fury or something, but it had one panel of Black Widow getting into her outfit drawn by Gene Colan. And yes! I've never forgotten oh. that panel in my entire life. I must have seen it 30-some years ago, and I can still picture it as plain as day. I right. think that's that's the Christmas with the superheroes issue where there's a wreath a wreath on the cover and they're all coming out of the wreath. Yeah, I have uh-huh. that. That's yep. That same panel. It's like, oh my god, and she's zipping it up. Yep. That's yep. There you go. I, I, it's, it's, as women are just whenever I think of of genies, no one ever standing still. Whether someone's cape is falling or there's in the clothes or someone's. I I have a uh, I remember. A, a Batman, a Detective Comics cover where the, the film freak is blasting his way, and, and Batman is tied for cover, and no one ever stands still in a Gene Colan film. No, that's, yeah. that, that's that's one thing that I'll always remember. He was a hell of a guy. Yeah. Thank you, Gene. Mm-hmm. Can't thank him enough. How could how could you ever thank the guy for what he what he's given us? You can't. Yeah, and his his last few years were were pretty rough. So, yeah. you know, health-wise and, and dealing with some other issues. So, and, uh, you know, tip of the cap to, uh, to um, uh, Clifford uh, Mass for, yeah. for, for, I think, really being a good friend and, and, uh, and, and you know, professionally trying to, to, to help take care of Gene and uh, make sure that, uh, that he was treated fairly in his last few years. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, he was great, and I know a lot of people loved him. So, uh, um, you know, he will be missed. He will, yes, absolutely. So, I'll miss him. He was, but, n- but never yeah. forgotten. Yeah, never. Nope. All right. Well, the thing I have now is actually not going to elevate. It's probably going to bring us down a little more, but uh, it was good. So, I want to talk about it. It's uh, right. from Image, from Image Comics. It was a one shot. Written by the uh, well-known team of Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. It's called The Tattered Man. Prestige format, one shot, four ninety nine. Uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, Kubert and Kaniger's uh, Ragman, mm-hmm. and, and who's not? Sure. Th- this is essentially Ragman, uh, but in a more traditional manner. Um, these three junkies uh, looking for money for a fix break into an old dude's house and it just so happens that the guy is a holocaust survivor I love it. who saw his his parents 
brutally murdered in in the camps uh all all the people around him uh succumb to that 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 nasty fate that um a lot of people did and uh palmiotti and gray don't pull any punches i mean this is a pretty it's it's not entirely graphic but i think that's even more powerful that there's things in here that they really it it's a it's a nice it's not nice i'm sorry it it's a very accurate depiction of what went on in 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 the prison camps and and so the this this child is with his parents and and the mother and father are killed and just at the moment when um uh the the child's about to uh meet his demise this pit where they would d dispose of people uh, the the rags the tatters the clothes of all these these maligned uh, and abused and, and murdered people something happens where this this undercurrent of vengeance and revenge it just takes form and much like the ragman uh this is a a creature of vengeance that's comprised of all the souls that uh from the rags that make up its body and uh when the, when the three junkies break in and and they uh, via mayhem ensues and the old man is killed um the the he has uh the rags as uh, a memento of his um ordeal in in the apartment and the rags um use one of the junkies as a host and oh. uh yeah mm. and and so it's a it, it, it's a vengeance story but with um the possibility of more to come i mean it, it, there's a lot of symbolism in it too. The, the three junkies are—it's it's Halloween when they break into the, the the guy's house, and and one of them is dressed. The woman, there's a woman and two men. The woman is dressed like a devil. Uh, one man has a skeleton outfit on, and the other guy is like this gothic type, living dead character, and he's the most brutal. I mean, he he's insane. Uh, the uh, the the old man's granddaughter and her mother come to the door and he just blows the mother away after uh he he killed the man you know trying to cover up his tracks and it's just the violence spirals out of control in this thing nothing happens to the little girl thankfully but uh um the and and even one of the junkies is shot and and that's the host that the 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 rags pick to to be their their uh emissary of uh vengeance and it's really really well done but it's it's not a very feel-good story but appropriately it it is it, it does deal with a lot of very sensitive issues i mean when, when you talk about the holocaust you know say no more so uh in uh but the art uh is by um norberto fernandez and this guy's sweet. I mean, his art's nice. It, it's it's kind of like a combination of Tim Seeley and Doug Mankey, if you can picture that. Oh. Yeah, he has that that really nicely sculpted line of a Mankey, where uh, I mean, he's in complete control. But he his his facial features and his uh, well, female anatomy remind me a lot of Tim Seeley. 
uh, layouts are well, I can't call them beautiful, but they're really well done because of the subject matter. You know, it's tough calling the layouts of a of a uh, like an Auschwitz type camp beautiful, but they're well done. I mean, you it's visceral. You get the uh, you're you're getting all the the emotions going on here. It's really and then when they do the flashback, the coloring everything's in gray, except for the Nazi emblem, the the red in the Nazi emblem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really nicely done. Very, very nicely done, and, and the 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 blood that um, results. But it, I mean, it's it's really cool. Four ninety nine. I uh, they didn't show too much of it uh, in previews, but when I saw uh, the cover, I said, "Ah, oh, what the heck? I'll take a chance on it." I'm glad I did. It, it it's it's pretty um, pretty memorable story, but it, it's inevitably it's going to be compared to Ragman. Because the, I mean, without the electricity, the 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 premise is basically the same as 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 a, a DC's Ragman. But that's don't hold that against it because it's pretty cool. And like I said, at the end, there's a possibility of more of these things. So it's and there is there's a couple points of light in the thing. It's not all doom and gloom. So yeah, the tattered man from Image, pretty cool. I got it in my last DCBS box, so it was probably solicited in, you know, a couple months ago. Good stuff. Cool. Yep. Well, then I'll, I'll um, there's something I might pick you up then. Yay, um, pick us up, David. <laughs> All right. I, you know, Chris already mentioned Kevin Mellon uh, as far as inking two clones work, but um, I was privy to a conversation on Twitter between... Kevin and Andy Parks, and uh, I—I know that I follow too many people. There's a lot of noise lately with me, and, and so I have to start calling my list down and, and just focus on on things that I'm more interested in. And uh, Are you put reels. Everybody off. And 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 I just I always get I always enjoy um, reading a tweet. From Kevin Mellon, whether, whether it's it's art tips, whether it's a desk shot of what he's working on, whether it's it's a link to anything, or or if, if I'm overhearing a conversation he's having with someone else, he introduced me to a uh, well, then he introduced me to it only because I know that he recommended it to Mr. Andy Parks, the uh, the Worm World saga, and, um, and this what was, was the, what was the name of that? The Worm World Open Word Saga, and and it's it's oh. a comic initially. Uh, this is going to be my inner travel, but I finished it before the episode, and uh, and I'm glad I did. It, if 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 you have your iPad and you go to um, WormWorldSaga.com, uh, you will um you'll it's in different languages, but you go to the English version, and basically, the graphic novel, the online graphic novel, is one long scroll. It's told vertically, and oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, and it's uh, it, it's it was created uh, originally in in, in German, but, uh, but it's not going to completely. Well, first thing is Daniel. His last name is uh, I'll say. Lisi, L-I-E-S-K-E, and um, and I read chapter one, and the idea was, it, according to his blog, it took a year to 
do the first chapter, and uh, it's beautifully illustrated in color, and it's um, it's it's about a young uh, boy jealous, and um, and it's I just completely I, I just I, I lost track of your scrolling, and and it's um, and it, it's the last day of school. Jonas is uh, traveling with his father to uh, Granny's house, and um, and we get a little bit of backstory with uh, with Jonas. Apparently, I don't know if maybe Mom perished in this fire, but um, Jonas was rescued by Dad from a house fire. So he kind of had a little bit of um, a little bit of anxiety. He walked into a room, and there was uh, the the doors on the fireplace were open, so so the uh, the kindling was lit up, and, and he kind of had a little bit of an anxiety attack. But um, aside from that little bit of drama, we just basically it's all it it it's just it looks like there's a um, there's going to be some some fantasy later on. Uh, there's a uh, there's a door leading to a hatchway in um, in the room that he sleeps in when they visit Granny, and, and he's at Granny's for the summer, and uh, and he uh, he. Takes his way down the hatch. It's one of the little crawl spaces in in, in this old house, and, and he we find out that once he gets to uh, to his secret headquarters, he's got a knapsack and and tree climbing gloves and, uh, and a red knit sweater. So he's all ready for adventure. And his his uh, his most important tool is uh, is a hand made wooden sword, and, and so he is all set and ready to go on this adventure. And, and that's pretty much where where we uh, where we end. So I'm dying to get the, the next chapters. He was um, the, the author was trying to. Um, it was found on Kickstarter, so it looks like the next chapter will start to come soon, uh, or sooner than expected, because he has a full time job. This was just a hobby, but it looks like because thanks again, started that uh, that will get second chapter sooner than. Uh, I guess originally anticipated, but uh, I would definitely. I, I read it on the iPad, but it's it's online, so I mean anybody can check it out. I I'm I'm hooked now just just after in the uh, the first. I do believe there's going to be an app available for your every uh, ride device, so uh, it looks like you'll be able to read the chapters on um, on your phone or, or your iPad when when that's made available, but. Um, the website you can you can buy prints. You can uh, there's YouTube videos where you can um, see see the work as it's being made. But it's it's um, something that that I was I just I didn't know really what to expect. And as I'm scrolling and reading, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm into it. So, so wormworldsaga.com. Nice. Well, you know what? Um, we're getting a real lot of choppy breaking up stuff so i think this is a good spot to uh yeah. kick it in the ass yeah thanks will hey guys thanks for inviting me i had an incredible time well, we, well we're not done yet when we say it's time to end it we probably got another 20 minutes well vince vince has to read us a couple more books before we finish up so this is office Neesman. Uh, th- this episode, <laughs> page one, panel one, Blue eleven one. o'clock comics has Johnny been brought to you 
has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Huge, fantastic discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles, DCBService.com. In your travels, and I can do this this week because Jason isn't here to groan and say that it's poop. In your travels, read from United Plankton Pictures, SpongeBob Comics. Nice. In in number three, the third issue, in addition to art by James Kachalka and Stephen Hillenberg, the uh, creator of um, SpongeBob, there is art by Ramona Fredon. Wow. Really? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That's, yeah, there's, that's cool. That is cool. There's a, a vintage, a faux vintage story of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. And it's drawn by Ramona, and they, they have they do they do the the moray pattern on the art to to make it look like it's something that's been printed, and uh, they're going after Man Ray. It's really neat, and uh, it's only two ninety five two ninety nine from United Plankton Pictures. That's, SpongeBob. That, that, that she tried to draw like the, in the background somewhere Aquaman some way. Mermaid Mermaid Man does look like Aquaman. It looks oh, okay. like uh, he looks like Aquaman. It's exactly Aquaman with the two uh, shells on the on the breasts and mm-hmm. the and the starfish <laughs> on the face. It's Aquaman. It's great stuff. SpongeBob number three. Yeah, Go get it. Do that. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, let me see here. Uh, how? Gosh. Um, I'm, I'm looking at everything that came in my my guest box um, today. Um, you know, we, we've yeah, talked yeah. about it before. Uh, I finally got the, the last volume, so all six volumes are now out, and you can read the entire epic event uh, adventure. Uh, every time I open up this book, uh, I I love it more and more. Uh, Terry Moore Echo. Is, is, I cannot wait to get that complete. Yeah, I, I had the first trade, and I read the first trade, and I liked it. And before I could continue to get any more, um, it's it's something where I thought that I'd, I'd keep adding trades to my orders. My orders always ended up popping out at, at the top of my budget. So once I saw last month that um, that complete all 31, 32 issues were in it, I just said dealt with it, and 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 I um I, I went above my budget. Last month, because of Echo, because of the second PRD volume, because of a couple of things, so I have some things to make up to Renee. But um, but yeah, go on. Yep, it's. I mean, that's it. <laughs> go. It, it's fantastic. It's really. Uh, it's it's more of that soap opera, uh, sci-fi goodness, and uh, and it is drawn by by one of the best in the biz, and yeah. drawn and, and and written by one of the best in the biz, Terry Moore. So, uh, Echo was a was a really cool series. That I read and trade. I didn't read the single issue. That's how I decided to get it. But it is a com- a compendium, a complete edition. That, uh, that David just mentioned that's out there in, uh, in last month's previews. So uh, another another great series by Terry Moore. I'm looking forward to uh, Rachel Rising is the, the new yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so read Echo now that it's all finished. Do it. Uh, I read the first issue of this, and again, pleasantly surprised. And uh, it seems to be lately. I mean, for a while, I was kind of just either bored with stuff. And and uh, especially big two stuff, and and I was reading more from Midge and and Dark Horse and things like that. And um, 
now I'm just trying things here and there. And I read the first issue of this, really enjoyed it. Um, I think Vince will like the artist, maybe not so much the art in it, but uh, I started reading the second issue, and it's it's, it's continuing uh, more of the same, but Mr. Man by Marvel, written by uh, David Liss, art by Mr. Patrick Zercher. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a um, it's it's the nineteen it's it's the depression. Um, it's it's that Marvel's trying to uh, where they to the Marvel's project. They're trying to make it look like you know Marvel Comics was actually around even before Fantastic Four number one and uh, and, oh, and 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 take you to the thirties and the forties where uh, where even before Captain America. Was was first a hero. Um, there were other heroes around since then, and um, it's it's the, the um, you have the operative who seems to well, was basically like Robin Hood. He'll, uh, he'll from the rich. He'll make sure that uh, if if you're a uh, if you're a landlord threatening to um, to evict your tenants because uh, you want to raise price, but it's the Great Depression and no one has any money, he's going to steal from other people to make sure that the tenants can pay their rent. And, uh, and there's also a, uh, a vigilante. So he's, he's a Democrat then? <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, and there's uh, the Revenant who, uh, who is a, uh, a, a black vigilante who um, of course, because it's the 30s, you get uh, little things like, well, you know, that, that darkness not going to touch me, things like that. So that's always exciting. But Ooh. it's, uh, yeah, riveting. And, uh, <laughs> but, and, and there's a, uh, there's a, an Amelia Earhart type character who, I guess, will be the Johnny Storm, or the uh, vendor of the team being the pilot. But it's, 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 um, the miniseries, I've only been introduced to the three characters so far. Uh, the alter ego of the operative is, uh, is being framed for murder. The, uh, the, the, this character, his father seems to be well connected. His father seems to be rich. And, uh, and the only reason this person is, uh, being targeted by the police is probably because daddy gave his say so to, uh, to let it happen, otherwise the cops wouldn't be able to touch this person. So there's also some, uh, we have to find out what's going on in his personal life as well as, uh, him trying to solve the murder of, um, of his girlfriend. But it's, 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 you know, aside from Black to the Man Without Fear, I had never read anything by David List before this. So, um, I'm enjoying it. And, and Zerch is hard. I mean, between the Tommy Guns and the, the, the Model Ford era cars and things like that, it's, it's, um, it it looks good. I'm, I'm digging it. I, you know, I mean, so I'll I'll finish the second issue for next week and see if um see if I'm still high on it. Cool. Cool. Mr. Well, Pfeiffer. I would like to recommend, and uh, I don't know if Chris is aiming for this, a little bit of manga that was actually introduced to me through you guys, the uh, Bakuman. Yay! Which is the the series about the two guys um, who are trying to break into the whole manga business in Japan. I think the fifth volume just came out. Well, well, <laughs> Vince already likes you. You don't have to do this. Yeah. I like him a lot. I like him a real lot. You don't have to try and impress him. <laughs> he might have to buy. You know, it's, 
No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's, it's good stuff. And I mean, even if you're not a big fan of manga, as long as you can get used to reading the book backwards. I mean, if you're into comics at all or into making your own comics, it's just a fascinating story about these two guys and a lot about like the business in Japan, how it's, it's all about ranking high on these surveys and sort of the techno aspects and they're changing their editors and I mean the different people they're competing with. I, I find it just fascinating and you know, each it's it's I mean it is definitely a soap opera kind of a comic, but I think in a really good way it just pulls you through each issue. And I look forward to this pretty much as much as I look forward to almost anything. I really I uh, I really enjoy the series. And if I'm gonna be so bold as to just do a little bit of uh Shameless self-promotion here. Oh, yeah, please do it. Better. Okay, this one doesn't come out until August 10th, but I'm going to hype it now. It's issue 17 of The Spirit. And I have a short story in, but don't buy it for me. Buy it for these guys. Howard Bacon, Paul Evans, Brian Boland, Craig Russell, and Jose, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Oh! Wow. Nice. For $2.99, 32-page comic book. So there you go. I wrote the story with Craig... But, I mean, the other stuff is going to be amazing. And this was one that wasn't going to come out, but they realized they had these incredible stories in inventory. And so uh, they are going to publish it, and it, it should be it should be impressive. I think it's all black and white. I know Craig's story is black and white. Now, is 17 the last issue? Yeah, 17 is the last issue. They almost weren't going to publish it, but then they went back. I think because Craig ended up doing the it's like it was going to be canceled, but he had sort of half drawn it, so he just wanted to draw it for himself. And he actually paid it guy to letter it, hand letter it. And then I think when the editor saw it, Joey Cavalieri said, "Hey, let's see if we can do this." And you got Brian Bolum doing a story, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I've only seen the one story, and Russell's art is. He does the same. They're fighting in an art museum, and you see in the background the entire 16-chapter ceiling. The entire ceiling. All the panels. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's amazing stuff. So, uh, I mean, oh. Spirit 17, keep an eye for it. I think it's, it's going to be a good book. Wow, you heard awesome. the man. Yeah, Spirit number cool. 17, keep an eye out for it. All right. Well, thank you for being here with us. we got to thank Will, because he's the bomb. Oh, yes. Thank Always you, guys, good. man. Always Glad good, neighbor. Yeah, sorry about the uh, the audio difficulties. Oh, cool! And Vince is cracking up. Wrap it up, Vince. The perfect ending. Sucks. You do it. It's out. It's gonna be a Dalek ending. Go get Davros. Didn't the voices actually die not too long ago? Yeah. He can't do it. She's just not doing it. Have we talked to CBS? All done that every night? Oh, gosh. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, for Vince, Dave, Jason, Will, everyone, have a have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend. Yeah, let's have all our limbs back. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. back uh, next week with another point. So, in the meantime... I can actually feel the steam shoot out of it. It's all the way. I want to have some stuff.
Come on, let's go.